Welcome to Sustainable 89. 89, crikey Moses. We are your friendly little environment podcast all about people and the planet and why despite everything being troublesome, we can have a chuckle about it every now and then, in we all? And Voss Harbenveer. <laughs> you ask me that question and then don't wait for an answer. Voss Harbenveer upgecoming this week. Well, and I notice I detect a slight accent there, which is related to the content this week. There have been elections in Germany and we wanted to find out about them. So we are very lucky to have interviewed a German. More on that later. We will also be talking about some very, very, very weird goings on in the animal world. So Germans and animals, yeah? Yeah, um, just the usual disclaimer before we kick off. Uh, we do work for environmental charities, as does the person we're going to talk to, but these are very much our own views. So as always, if you've got any beef with anything that you hear from me or Roll or anyone else, take it up with us and not for anyone for whom we work. Yes? Very good. All right, let's get on with it. On with it. Things that make you go... Jesus, shit Oh, God! So, things that make you go, Jesus, shedding Christ. Uh, this is the section where we go, oh God, oh God, oh God, everything's terrible. Um, and the thing that is terrible this week is that Germany seems to have elected the worst humans ever into its parliament. In, Banana-rama. In, in some considerable number. Uh, yes, there, there were elections um, in Germany. There were shocking results, really, for many people because the very, very far-right party got a lot of seats. Um, so we wanted to talk to a German to find out more about that. Which German did we talk to, Dave? The German that we found is a German called Kenneth Richter. Uh, and he uh, works in Heidelberg, which is in Germany, for uh, the US-based organisation NRDC. He's an environmental consultant and knows about the planet and stuff. So we asked him all about what the Blinkenack is going on over in that Germany and what, if anything, it means for the planet. Yeah? Das ist gut. Right. So, hello, Kenneth. Hey, Ali. Hey, Dave. Hello, guten Tag. Guten Tag, wie geht's? <laughs> this is my job. I did I've done German at school. Very happy with myself. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Sehr gut. Um, let's start <laughs> over here. <laughs> it's very exciting. We're talking to an actual German in Germany about Germany. I, I, for, for once, I feel like we're almost relevant. Uh, we, we want in German, obviously. Yes, and the, the, entire, the entire interview will now be conducted in schoolboy German. Ambulance. Ambulanza. Ambulance, yes. Krankenwagen! Um, we, we wanted to speak to you now because there's been elections in Germany and obviously they were, uh, they were certainly reported in the UK press as pretty dramatic, um, not least because of the rise of the far right, which 
Uh, you know, it certainly from my perspective seems completely astonishing and quite worrying. Nick's uh, so good. Nick's so good. <laughs> um, oh, lol, the far right. Oh. <laughs> Is that, what, what's, what's it like? What's the mood in Germany? Um, how, how are people reacting? Yeah, so I mean, what happened is we we had this um, election. Um, so and uh, previously there was a, a grand coalition of the uh, conservative C- uh, CDU and the Social Democrats, the uh, SPD, and uh, they they lost a lot of votes in the, this um, in this election. Um, to the extent that uh, the Angela Merkel, the Chancellor, she and her CDU um, is still the biggest party. But um, there was uh, a lot of um, votes lost to a number of uh, smaller parties, but one of them being the very extreme right AFD. Um, and so for the first time in, in 50 years, we've got an openly nationalistic party that's been voted into the parliament. Okay. And in fact, they're, they're the third biggest, uh, they're the third biggest party now in the, in the parliament, which is, is obviously very worrying. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just to kind of give you a bit of an flavor, um, of how, how extreme the AFD is. Um, they, I mean, you've got UKIP in the UK, but they make UKIP almost look uh, reasonable. Oh, <laughs> um, that <have> been, really? <laughs> yeah, well, oh, no. it's hard to believe, but they've been saying things like the, the Holocaust is a myth. Um, oh, my God. They have said uh, things, immigrants uh, should be shot at uh, if they try to cross the border illegally. They did later partially retract that statement, but uh, only sort of half-hearted. And, oh. and yeah, and now their their co-leader Frauke Petri, um, she even thinks the party has become too extreme. And so immediately after the election, she announced that uh, she would uh, she would no longer sit with the party and she would sit as an independent. So even their own leader now thinks the party is too extreme. Oh, even their leader cusses them. Well, that's not that's not great, is it? So does that mean that because like, well, in fact, no, I'm going to ask you to take a step back. People might think that um, Germany is this really, 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 really green place. People always go like, oh, Germany, they're really good. Um, and so, you know, before we go on to talk about what this election means, is that is that right? Like, is Germany this big green place? Or is it when you're actually there not quite as simple as that? No, I think it isn't quite as simple as that. And and in fact, it's I've always been slightly, um, you know, surprised by this myth um, outside of Germany. And, and particularly, I think in the UK, there is this idea of Germany as this you know, big green country, which is leading on, you know, environmental policy and, and so on. And but it, it's not actually the, the case if you look at it uh, closely. Um well, so, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Ken, but isn't that because things like your energy vendor play their sexy energy vendor music today? That that whole program, as I understand it, meant that you had loads of solar panels in Germany uh, before, uh, you know, ten years before the UK did type thing. And, and sorry, I should have explained, but I didn't because I don't fully understand. What what is the energy vendor, Ken? <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, the Energiewende is is this uh, you know German program of um, you know in, introducing more renewable energy um, in, instead of fossil fuel, and um, you know there were a lot of subsidies for for solar power and in particular um, a while ago. However, they have been mostly sort of phased out um, now. And so in many ways, this, you know, very, um, you know, applaudable program has has come to a bit of a standstill. So in, in fact, uh, German emissions um, have plateaued. They're not really going down anymore. And even if you look at renewable energy, if you compare Germany to other European countries, um, Germany is only somewhere in, in the middle of the, of the table. Um, still ahead of the UK, though. <laughs> hey. um, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> You're going to start talking about football now, are you? <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's quite at the stage where German football fans sing a song about, you know, the energy vendor. Yeah, two wind so, turbines and one World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite there yet, but um, anyway, you know, I, I do. I, I do think there's a bit of a, you know, sort of German self righteousness about the whole issue, which isn't wholly justified. If you look at and at Angela Merkel in particular. Um, she's got this myth, this idea of her as, a, as the green chancellor and uh, supporting a lot of uh, green uh, policies in, in Germany and pushing them through. However, um, she's been heavily influenced by, by industry lobby in Germany, particularly by the very powerful German car lobby. Yeah, old Volkswagen and co have had a bit to say, haven't they? Exactly. So, and and this has a long tradition. Um, so, for example, when the EU was trying to bring in car efficiency legislation, um, Angela Merkel sabotaged that and and made sure um, that you went for biofuel targets instead. <laughs> Something I like to talk about in particular, but I'm not going to now. Um, but it's just one of those examples where actually Germany played a role of derailing. Uh, you know, potentially very good EU policy. So, okay, so uh, Germany talks a good game on the environment uh, behind the scenes, not necessarily all it's cracked up to be, still greener than the UK, get that. Um, So what does it mean that there are now a bunch of fascists with their fingers on the lever of things? Is that bad? Well, yes, you know, obviously it's it's extremely <laughs> bad. I mean, yeah, it is <laughs> not, not great. It's not so great. It's not great. immigrants being shot at the border, um, <laughs> there's, uh, you know, we're also talking about the environment, obviously, here. Um, and, uh, you know, they're not just, as, you know, xenophobic and, and, you know, generally fascist. They're also very anti-green. So they're against the uh, energy vendor. They are pro-fracking. They're pro-GM pro foods and the pro-nuclear and well, so why is it important? Well, the AFD is not going to be in the government, but um, it's it is a problem for Angela Merkel that the AFD is so strong in the parliament, and she has already said that she will try to win those voters back uh, by listening to their concerns and fears. Um, so, if their concerns and fears are, you know, partly uh, uh, about uh, the energy vendor and uh, green measures. That doesn't bode well for the environment and for the for the direction the future government is is likely to take. 
So that sounds bad, but am I right in thinking there is a glimmer of hope because there needs to be a sort of fairly complicated coalition to actually form the, go- the, the government, is that right? And as part of that, maybe the Greens might have more power and influence than they did before? Is that is that true? Yeah, well, so uh, <laughs> um, it, it could be. So what has happened is that um, the Social Democrats said they no longer want to be in the coalition with Angela Merkel. So they've already said they're not going to be in the, in the next government. So now to find a majority, Angela Merkel needs to find at least two other parties uh, to go in the coalition with her. She already excluded uh, working with the uh, uh, both the AFD as well as as the left um, party. So that pretty much only leaves the Liberal FDP and the Greens. So what we could potentially see in the future is this coalition between CDU, FDP, and the Greens, uh, the so-called Jamaica coalition. Why is it called the Jamaica Coalition? <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, unfortunately it's it's unlikely that we'll see Beanie Man as a minister in the next <laughs> government. It's, it's <laughs> that is more, a shame. <laughs> it's more to do with the uh, the colours of those parties, which are black for CDU, yellow for the Liberals, and green for the Greens. Hey, oh, oh, I hear Angela Merkel's going to do loads more green policies in her coalition. Is she J- Jamaica? No, uh, she she's uh, doing it. Other, it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, I'm so sorry, Kenneth. So what, that's that's a possibility. So we we could see the Greens in the in the next government. The big question, though, is what would that really achieve? And the so the Greens would be the smallest of three parties in a coalition. We've sort of seen in the UK how that sort of worked for the uh, for the Liberals being the the junior um, coalition partner. Um, so there's definitely a concern that they will not actually be able to achieve much in in a coalition as a as the smallest partner of three. I did not know that. So we will hear more from Ken and his German insight in a bit. But for now, we are talking about things we did not know. And things we did not know this week is that the animals have gone weird. (laughs) All animals have gone weird. Exhibit... Hey, who's gone weird this week? Oh, otters. Otters have gone weird. Oh, I love otters. They've got in their little Your dog paw prints and lovely and they can roll on their back to like, you know, crack their food open and they go... Aqua, aqua cats. Aqua cats, is that what they're called? That's what I call them. Very otters. nice. Yeah, so in the news last week, in the Times... Um, Which not, is still sort of news some of the time, isn't it? News. Um, it was reported that otters may look cute, but they are being blamed for a massacre. <laughs> Massacre? Massacre, which are they has armed? Left, well, they are armed with gobs, and they have left the banks of rivers and ponds littered with eviscerated corpses. Oh, God. This is like whatever episode it was where we talked about the needless use of military language to describe animals doing what they're doing. The headline for this piece is Hungry Otters Turn Garden Fish Ponds into Bloodbath. 
Yeah. So all they've done is they've wandered into a bloke who's called Trevor, who lives near a small, fast-flowing river, um, in which presumably an otter lives, and they've gone into his garden, and they've had a look at Trevor's pond. And in Trevor's pond is three and a half thousand pounds worth of fish, koi carp specifically. Um, that, seemed, that seems like a lot of money It does. I think fish. It does, and I think Trevor frankly had what happened next coming to him. And what happened next was he woke up to find a mess of partly eaten <laughs> scaly bodies scattered across his lawn. I mean, that would ruin your morning. That is, that's a nasty thing to wake up to. So what his argument is presumably that otters are evil because they've eaten all his prized koi carp. And well, my argument is otters are otters and they're probably hungry. And if, you know, they're not living in lovely woodlands full of fish, uh, rivers full of fish, you know, then they're going to go and eat the next best thing, which is carp in ponds. So tough. Yeah, tough. Is that? I feel cold-hearted when I'm saying that. I'd imagine that was a really bad day for Trevor. Yeah, and for Mike Tupman from nearby Burbage, who had four koi carp. <laughs> That's such a great sentence. Mike Tupman from nearby Burbage. He had four koi carp worth, it says here, but this can't be right, can it? Two and a half thousand pounds. That means a koi carp costs like 750... Qu- no, 600 quid each or something. That can't be right. Who's got 600 quid to spend on a fish? I ain't got 600 quid. You've got 600 if I spent 600 quid on a fish, I deserve to get it fed to an otter. But Mike Tutman just said, I've owned some of these carp, he says, for 15 years. I used to feed them every day by hand as they would come to the surface. Well, now, Mike Tutman, they're dead. They're dead, <laughs> dead, dead. They're inside an otter. And you know what's going on there? It's not a massacre. It's an otter who's gone, there's fish there. I eat fish. I'm having that. What a satire is. Satire is when it's the same as here. Uh, but there's animals in it. <laughs> Exhibit B, who has also gone weird, is bees. Well, more specifically, hornets have gone weird because uh, uh, the bees are about to gone very scared because some hornets are around. This is a, uh, a hornet. A hornet. Well, yes, but where there's one hornet, there's usually more hornets. This is something which people have been anticipating for quite some time the asian hornet which uh from asia i presume has been making its way west uh, over a number of years creeping closer to old blighty thank goodness for that english channel eh, which makes things a bit harder to makes it a bit harder for things to get here but anyway the reason it's a problem not that big actually smaller than the european hornet but apparently likes to eat bees and there are lots of videos of they're well good, they're clever, stealthy killers. They hang around outside a beehive, and as the bees emerge, all bleary eyed, they just like hover and go, mm, delicious. A bit like my cat, my mum and dad's cat. Uh, he, his favourite way of hunting is to sit on a fence post above a rabbit warren, wait for the little bunnies to emerge, bleary eyed, for their first glimpse of the world, and then drop on them. Yeah, so not good thing. Asian hornet coming over here, lurking underneath sleepy bees and doing away with them when they wake up. But if there's one thing you can rely on, all it is that the UK government has come over all war about it. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. Oh, good. So DEFRA, the uh, government department in charge of environment and stuff, put out a press release because you can't have a hornet without a press release. And it didn't say, uh, this is bad, sorry bees, you're all going to die. What it said was, the National Bee Unit has confirmed a sighting. Uh, 
Very good. And uh, they have you can set- imagine that they're all dressed up in uh, camo gear and, you know, with smudges on their cheekbones and with night vision goggles. Positive audio visual on an Asian hornet. Destroy! They've set up a surveillance zone around the whole of North Devon. Oh, they've deployed bee inspectors who will use infrared cameras and traps. Which I can't read this shit anymore. <laughs> Why have we got to do this? We talked about this exactly, and we're not going to do it again. We talked about it at least once, way back, I think in episode four or five or six or something. So long ago, I've got no bloody idea about the top mouth gudgeon, a tiny little invasive oh, I've fish. forgotten about the top mouth gudgeon. <laughs> Top mouth gushing, tiny little fish, which wasn't just a fish that had no, it, it thought it was in, you know, Nigeria or something, wakes up and it's in someone's pond. And instead of going, oh, I don't know where I am, it suddenly finds itself on the wrong end of a AK 47 and government people in camo telling it to get off their pond, right? And all coming over all military. So that's what's happened here. You can't just go, oh, there's a thing here. You've got to dress it up in military language. Squirrels, that's what we were talking about. Hang Episode 74. No, you want to get this back on your own, your safe ground as squirrel. squirrels. Squirrels. But I don't. I don't want to do that. I want us to keep talking about the hornets because I put it to you that you would rather all of the bees that currently live in the UK died, got killed by Asian hornets so that you could say all smugly, we didn't kill the Asian hornet because it wasn't the Asian hornet's fault. Am I right? No. Right. Uh, go back and listen to episode 74 when you accuse me of wanting all the red squirrels dead, right? And I said, Which you do. I don't want all the red squirrels dead, but just because I don't want the red squirrels dead, it doesn't mean that I do want all the grey squirrels what dead. What will happen if the grey squirrels aren't dead? <laughs> red squirrels will be dead. What will happen if the Asian hornets aren't dead? All the bees will be dead. Right. Yeah, and exhibit C of animal that has gone weird, yeah? Rat. Mm-hmm. Oh, rat. Rat's gone weird. <laughs> not ratty, the not rat, but rat, the actual rat. Actual rat. Solomon Islands, which is over there somewhere. Uh, it's far, got a, far away. Far, far away. It's got a rat on it. Uh, it's so big, it eats coconuts. Eats them whole, it does. Uh, swallows Seriously? them down. No, not really. But it, it can open coconuts with its teeth. It is a mysterious and elusive oh, species of giant rat. And they found it. It's a bit like there's a massive, massive rat lives in a place. And they haven't found it till now. And they found it. And they've gone, yeah, I told you. Like It's a bloke who lives in that forest. going, told you there was a sodding massive rat around here. And all these scientists have gone, well, I'm afraid there's no evidence of a sodding massive rat. There, there, little native man. Yeah. I'm sure it's all there in your dreams, but I'm afraid there's no... Ow! Ow! Something... Oh my God, there's a massive rat eating my toe. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is missing some of its tail, but it's still half a metre long. How about that? That is a big rat. That's a big rat. Uh, I don't quite understand how a rat which no one knew existed, and so presumably there aren't very many of them, and has now been discovered, is now immediately described as critically endangered. (laughs) <laughs> it's because presumably everyone's now going to stove its head in with the wrong end of a stick. Because <laughs> people, like, if there's one thing you can pretty much guarantee is a truth universally acknowledged, which is a phrase U- I, universally. I cannot yep. say, that if there is a rat, people are going to bludgeon it to death because people go funny about rats, even though a rat is basically an otter. <laughs> rats! <laughs> yes, Father, we can see them as well. Hairy Japanese bastards! <laughs> I'll tell you you why it is critically endangered, actually, now that I've bothered to read the article all the way to the end. Uh, That is because these rats live in a tree, primarily... Ah, you... (laughs) Damn it! There is a god. (laughs) Uh, They live in the capuchu tree, um, which 
Uh, as luck would have it, loggers, commercial loggers, particularly like logging. So they're cutting down their home. And in fact, that is how they discovered this rat, because they cut it down a capuchu tree and a rat fell out of it and, and, and died uh, on the ground. But they were like, oh, that dead thing looks like a new species. And it was. Right. German time. Oh, uh, Sehr gut. Kommen Sie mit mich. Uh, we're going to talk to Kenneth again. Jawohl. Ah, wunderbar. I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with it all right. So, something that people might know about Germany, if they know anything at all about its environmental stuff, is that uh, you Germans don't like nuclear power. Uh, that's a thing that I've heard. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Why is it true? And would Germans genuinely rather have coal than nuclear? Well, there is a, there's a long tradition in Germany of resistance against nuclear power. This, um, this started in the 70s and it was, it was really important. This whole struggle was really important for the formation of the Green Movement in Germany and, and for the formation of the, the Green Party in particular. So it's, it's always been a, a really important issue in, in green policies. And also Germany was, was more directly affected by the Chernobyl disaster than the UK, I guess. Um, so when it happened, I remember that we weren't allowed to eat fresh food like salad and mushrooms for quite a while afterwards. So it, it really kind of had a big impact on Germany and, and on the psyche of uh, people here. And then when Fukushima happened, that sort of did the rest And is and what about coal? I mean, do, is is you hear a lot? Well, we hear a lot that that, that Germany's not doing enough to get rid of horrible coal, horrible stinky lignite, and all that stuff. Is that true? Yeah, exactly. So this so this is another example for how Angela Merkel has not been very green at all, um, and and in fact, sort of you know backtracking on what I said earlier that uh, you know the G Germany is doing better than the UK. In in this case, Germany doesn't. So in the UK, we now have a, a commitment to a coal phase out. Um, we don't have that in, in Germany, and Angela Merkel is actually protecting this very polluting, um, these, these power stations that are burning very polluting uh, lignite. Series of sharpened buckets effectively on a giant wheel, just gouging through the seam of coal, taking it out, sending it along a chute, and then down onto a conveyor belt and off to be burnt in a power station. It's a key part of Germany's energy supply. Why? Why is she protecting them? Well, it's obviously this this lignite is being is being mined in Germany. Um, so partly I think it's uh, there's a concern about jobs um, being uh, being that could be lost there. Um, and it's it's just something this you know this mining tradition is very sort of ingrained in in German uh, tradition I guess and so there's a reluctancy to uh, to phase out coal. I've got to ask you. I can't resist asking you this. You know how um, you may have noticed that last year Britain decided it was going to leave the European Union. Yeah, you may not have noticed. I mean, <laughs> hardly yeah. covered at all. Um, what what on earth does Germ do people in Germany make of that? Do they think that we have all gone totally spare? 
um, or what? I just I'd love to know what the sort of German take on it all is. Sure, I think I think there's there's a lot of sort of regret about it happening. Oh, Schadenfreude? No, that's no, no, not at all. No, I don't. I I think there's sort of genuine, you know, regret of of you know seeing the Brits leaving the the EU because Germans love you know British people and and they would like them to stay in the EU. Um, so there's you know there's a really a lot of just. You know, shaking heads and and you know wondering why why it's happening. Yeah, same um, same also, here, mate. Same here. <laughs> and 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 also, you know, I mean, the UK has actually on on some issues, you know, played a progressive and, and positive role in the, in the EU, and you know, has been an ally of, of Germany as well on on certain issues. Um, and and it's also, I mean, it's it's seen as a you know, as a move that is probably going to hurt the UK in the, in the long run as well. So, yeah, people don't quite don't quite understand why. Kenneth, thank you so much for your time. That was that was really interesting. How can people find out more about you and the work that you're up to? Uh, well, I'm I'm on Twitter. Um, so, if you search for Kenneth Richter on Twitter, um, you'll probably find me i talk about a lot about bioenergy and biofuels so if that interests you uh, my twitter might be for you if if it doesn't then probably less so so that is just about it for another episode of Babel. thank you very 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 much to everybody's favorite german mm. kenneth rick what it's not my favorite german i mean i love i love kenneth he was very interesting he's not your favorite german no who is david hasselhoff isn't it fair enough that is <laughs> that is fair not actually sure he's german but you know, might as well be thank you to everybody's second favorite german kenneth richter for giving us lots of wonderful insight into what's going on in that there germany and thank you as ever to the wonderful dickie moore for providing the music that begins ends and intertwinkles this podcast Sehr gut. Uh, you can let us know what you think of the show. So uh, oh, this isn't anyway crass, is it? It's or, not, not no. really. No. So uh, drop us an email to uh, hello at sustainababble.fish. Go on the intertubes and look on Facebook. Just search Sustainababble or find us on Twitter at the Babble Wagon. And do please keep them reviews coming on your podcast medium of choice and those nice big fat five star ratings. They are very nice and they mean we go to bed happy bunnies. All right, me old sauerkraut. We'll uh, we'll see you next week for more delicious babble. Okay, bye, bye. Is it still okay today? Like Germany are really powerful and in charge of everything. Therefore, I think it's okay to take the piss out of them, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, okay. <laughs>